Without the ones like you, who work tirelessly to keep things running, everything would suddenly stop. Hospitals, factories, schools, and power plants, they all depend on you. No matter the weather, emergency, or time of day, you're the ones who get it done. At Granger, we're here for you with professional-grade industrial supplies. Count on real-time product availability and fast delivery. Call, clickgranger.com or just stop by. Granger for the ones who get it done. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. upon us i am pumped this is the shit i'd live for man i love it man so much to talk about tonight Uh, man i am absolutely pumped the future of the carolina panthers will be revealed to us in two more days i'm pumped i'm happy to be here with the best chat room on youtube tony dunn ain't nothing to it but to do it brother let's roll Every Tuesday night, we chop up the latest Panthers news and opinions from the fan perspective. We, like Cody said, have the greatest chat room on the internet when it comes to the Carolina Panthers. And tonight's show, we're going to get into it, and we're expecting you to carry the conversation. It's episode 19.13, show's title tonight, and with the 16th pick, the Panthers select... We don't really know yet. We're getting closer to the draft and (laughs) no closer to the zeroing in, I feel like, on who the Carolina Panthers are going to draft or what this sanitary of most sanitary drafts will produce. We're going to be talking about the Carolina Panthers heading into the draft tonight. Uh, We are also back after the schedule release. I know it feels like a a long time ago that it happened last Wednesday or Thursday, but it was after the show. We'll talk about that. And a salute to Jonathan Stewart, who retired today as a Panther. All of that, plus a lot of draft conversation, along with nightmare scenarios and potential golden eggs that could drop right into our basket or our lap at 16th. 16, we'll be getting all into all that tonight and your cat calls. You can still be a part of the show using the Cat Calls line. The number is 252-228-5098. 
We'll get you in the podcast to join the livest. That's right, the livest, because we're live right now. Panthers podcast on YouTube at this moment. So go ahead and smash that thumbs up button. Subscribe. We appreciate it. Get in the chat room. Call the cat calls line. Now let's go, Cody. We've got so much to talk about Thursday. Two days away. The draft is upon us. I feel like a blink of the eye. It's here. All of a sudden, crap. We got to get the draft show ready to go. We do, man. And listen, this is uh, it's special for me, man, because the draft will mark my one-year anniversary as a part of the best C3 Panthers podcast that there is. And uh, yeah, man, it'll be one whole year for me. Uh, but I want to drop a line and a very important notice to everyone in our chat room right now. Because the draft night, that's the biggest show of the year. And we want all of you to join us. So if you want to join us on this uh, Thursday night show, send me a DM on Twitter at C-O-D-Y-L-A-C. Let me know that you're interested in coming on the show. And I'll make sure that you have a link that you're able to come on and join us, hang out, talk about the draft, throw back a few beers, hang with the boys. It's going to be a ton of fun. And we want all of you to join us this Thursday night. We're going to have a ball, Tony. Yeah, Cody, a whole year. I, I was at, um, this past week, I was at a trivia night, and they had video game trivia, like just one or two questions, and it was a Mortal Kombat uh, reference. Oh. It was like, what was the end of this? And I got that question right for, for our team that was hanging out. But in the vein of that, one whole year. Impressive. Impressive, Cody. Impressive. <laughs> All right. Uh, so, look, what we have, and I hope, did you even, could you even hear that, by the way? You could hear yeah, that. Yeah, right? I mean, okay. I heard it. Uh, that would have been the lamest delivery had you not heard it. All right. Um, <laughs> let's uh, let's start out with the show tonight. Is uh, Jonathan Stewart retires as a Carolina Panther. Talking about a year into the show, nowhere in sight that Cody's going to be hanging up the mic or the cleats, but... Jonathan Stewart signs that one-day contract with Carolina Panthers. Coming back home after a short and unsuccessful or a brief stint with the New York Giants, Jonathan Stewart, number one rusher in Carolina Panthers history, retires, Cody. That is the news of the day. Yeah, it is. And uh, Carolina put together a a nice little one-minute video, and uh, we have it here right now. So uh, I know we're joined by Legacy Lynn in the chat room, and we all know Jonathan holds a very special place in her heart. And uh, honestly, he should hold a very special place in all of your hearts 
You know, I firmly believe that if it wasn't for D'Angelo Williams, uh, Jonathan Stewart absolutely could have and should have been a bell cow running back for Carolina. He just never really had the opportunity to do it. Nothing against D'Angelo, uh, the player at least. He talks a bunch of trash now. I have but, something um, against D'Angelo now because of the way he's acted after. Yeah, he, but he continue. But, you know, I, I feel you'll never hear that from Jonathan Stewart. Jonathan loved to be a part of this locker room. He loves his teammates. And, uh, man, you know, he had some some injury concerns uh, the the past, you know, three or four years that, that he was playing. But, man, when Jonathan Stewart was on a roll, it was tough to stop him, man. He was a bowling ball. Uh, just a very physically dominant player, strong as hell. And, uh, you know, whenever we listen to Tiki Barber run his mouth about a bunch of crap, that he doesn't know, uh, you know, in the uh, while the season is occurring. Always think back to better times involving him and Jonathan Stewart. This is one of my favorite plays in Jonathan Stewart's oh. career, and that is the exact reason. That's on Monday Night Football right there. That's the exact reason that – Rondé Barber is so salty against the Panthers. It is not because he's a former Buck. It is not because he's played our team. It's that one single play is the very reason that Rondé Barber is so salty about the Carolina Panthers. So I think this is just to put a little too. to address Jonathan Stewart's career from a kind of a holistic perspective. And I'm not his biographer, so I might get some things wrong, but I think there's something to this. Is that one, we see the reverse story of D'Angelo Williams, right? You see two guys that D'Angelo Williams has drafted two years before Stewart, two first round picks. They formed the dynamic duo, right? Thunder and Lightning, or whatever it was, uh, in, um, maybe 2008 where they just lit it up you had two 1000 yard two 1000 rushing yard running backs i believe that season but yeah. d'angelo williams was so popular with panther fans to start his career and ended his career in saltiness with the fans with the organization and ultimately goes out in a way that i feel like becomes less endearing as a player and a story just in general, even the way he continues to talk and act. Now, Jonathan Stewart starts out just smashing dudes in that first season, in the first two seasons he was around, but then he did turn into serious, he, he faced serious like foot injuries like he had that were lingering from college to begin. He had problems that kept him out for multiple seasons, right? What I think that Jonathan Stewart's legacy is is a miniature version, a lesser version of Thomas Davis's. And that is a player that started out and found success in their career, struggled with injury, and was on the verge of becoming irrelevant, and then comes back and finishes out their career in a positive way that embraces themselves with the fan base and uh, really makes you a likable story, a nice storyline, and a likable player among fans. Yeah, and look how he acted when uh, when we essentially drafted his replacement, Christian McCaffrey. I mean, he was a mentor to him. He showed him the ropes. I mean, you know, 
you see by the video there, they still seem to be good friends and keep in contact, contact with one another. That's a franchise player, man. And, you know, I, I don't know if Jonathan Stewart will ever truly get the respect that he deserves. Um, I know amongst Panther diehards, you know, it, it's easy to love him, but in the grand scheme of things, um, you know, I, I, I want to make sure that his name doesn't get lost to time. He was a badass pass protector when our offensive line was always up and down and inconsistent. So he did a lot of blocking for Cam Newton as well as pounding the rock. Uh, Jonathan Stewart is a consummate Panther. He's a representation of what our locker room was. And uh, yeah, man, nothing but love for Jonathan Stewart and wish him nothing but the very best uh, in his retirement. So the way his, his career started out, just to remind you guys of that arc, his uh, 2008 season, he had 836 yards and 10 touchdowns. The following season, his sophomore season, he had uh, 2009, 1,100 yards and 10 touchdowns. But then you see 2010, he goes out for the season. He had 178. Uh, no, he had 770 yards. He really goes strong. He's like a solid presence, even though he was dealing with injuries. All the way through 2011, 2012, when this would have been when Cam second Cam second year, he comes. He has two struggling years with injury, but comes back in 2014, and really the apex was that 2015 season. I think 14, 13, 14, 15, and even 16. Stewart was a better runner than the Panthers' offensive line was at times. And so the reason yeah. our run game was so effective in that stretch was not just a natural greatness. It was Cam Newton's magic and Jonathan Stewart's tenacity that made those offensive lines look better than they were. And that's, again, a testament to Cam Newton and his performance, too, as he's been with the Carolina Panthers. Yeah, absolutely. Um, and you know, one of the things that doesn't get said enough, and I mentioned it with the pass protection thing, uh, a running back is a quarterback's go-to best friend, especially in today's NFL. And, uh, I mean, Jonathan Stewart was that for such a long time. Uh, we had an, uh, an awesome rushing attack in 2015. And, hey, let's not forget, don't mean to bring up bad memories, but Jonathan Stewart had our only touchdown in Super Bowl 50 which I'm sure he proudly displays that football somewhere in his house. So, like I said, salute to the man. I love him. Uh, he did a lot for us. Uh, I hope that in the end, of, uh, you know, he ends up getting the credit that I feel he definitely deserves. Yeah, I think that. is that I think this is an amicable relationship that the Carolina Panthers have with Jonathan Stewart. is a great Panther, yeah. a great Panther, and, and a, a big part of our success. And when we didn't have him, you know, if things were harder. So let's move on to this. It is time to talk about the schedule. This was, it seems like ages ago that the schedule was released, Cody. It is a, a piece of news that can come in in the middle of, or the beginning of baseball and some of that early excitement while Major League Baseball is going on. The, the hockey playoffs are as hot as they can get right now. The NBA is not interesting until round two at the very earliest. So the NFL can dominate a storyline just by telling you the order and the exact dates that we play teams. 
Cody, the schedule's released, initial reactions, and then we'll kind of see what the chat room has to say. Well, first of all, if you kept up with the entire thing, every NFL team put out their own schedule with their own kind of pop culture references and whatnot. And, man, let me tell you, as a video game nerd myself, the Panthers absolutely blew theirs away. I'm not going to play the volume here, but um, a classic video game for everyone, uh, for every team that we play on our schedule. I loved it. I thought it was absolutely badass. Um, so is that Contra? What is that? What is that game? I uh, mean, one, I, one was, one was Contra's in there. Yeah, uh, Tony Hawk Pro Skater. Yep. One of my all-time faves. That game was, yeah, uh, that game Madden. was awesome. Madden, this is yeah. the original, this is the original Madden. Panthers versus uh, yeah. Jaguars using Madden. So, and this one uh, is the, uh, the year that the Panthers and the Jaguars were accepted into the NFL. Uh, Madden 93 or 94. So that's a cool little reference there. Uh, FIFA for FAO Bida when they visit Rich over there in London. All right. Uh, Halo, Halo for Bywe. Uh, we have Oregon Trail. Yeah, that's old school I, right I there. You that know that. Right I know up. about that game. Yep. Absolutely. Uh, that one. That might have been WWE. Uh, Tecmo Bowl, maybe. Maybe not. Yeah. Uh, WWE, no, not, yeah. Pokemon Go, Pokemon Go. I like this one coming up. Golden Eye was my favorite. That's a tip. Here it is. Golden is Eye was the shit. Yeah. Yep. This is like always. I never had a sixty-four. Always exciting. Super to go Mario. Away. That's Mario Kart, right? Yeah. Yeah. Pac-Man. Pac Cam. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> There's a lot of layers to this video right here. Sonic the Hedgehog. I was wondering, I didn't see, I want to know if that one game where he had to, uh, when he swung over that slick, what was that Contra? Here it is. This is uh, Mortal Kombat. This right is Mortal here. Kombat, yep. So, oh, when he was jumping over the uh, the pits? Yeah, what was that? With yeah, the, that's Pitfall. Okay, Pitfall. They needed Contra yeah. in here, because we all knew the up, down, <laughs> up, down, left, right, left, right, A, B, A, B, select, start, cheat code. Yep. Back on the oh, old yeah. Nintendo. I think uh, some nods that could have... So, what, I wonder this. What games, old school games, did they miss? Would you have say, hey... Because this video was amazing. Like, there's so much to it. And it I even the saw the guy, the, the digital guy, media guy, and said, I've never worked on a project that took so much. For that, it is so thoughtful. It's so well put together. So games missing from it. The game that got me, the reason I got a Nintendo, my very first gaming system, the old school Nintendo, bought it used from somebody, taught my parents into doing it because of one game and one game only, Metroid. It might have been Metroid yeah. 2. The one, whatever the one where you could tuck and roll into the ball. Yeah, that that's Metroid. Yeah, my video gaming career right there, which is not as cool as most people. But any other games? That, what's the old game says, for uh, you, Cody, that you would have – that's missed? Okay, Street Fighter. I think Street Fighter – that wasn't in there? Uh, I don't oh, believe so. Josh says Tetris. Um, yeah, Tetris, Donkey Kong. Yep. Uh, that that would have been a good one. I mean, you can't go wrong with Mario, which they did have Mario Kart. Duck Hunter, always a good one. Is some of those those old Nintendo games 
There were so many good Nintendo, old school Nintendo oh, games. Oh yeah, man. so many. What a what a um, that was kind of the the first real jump in video gaming. All right, so let's talk about the schedule itself. All right, so yeah. what uh, after you see the release of the teams, Cody? What's on your mind now? So after the London game with six. Uh, after week eight, we don't have a back-to-back home game or away. So we're uh, back and at forth, San back and forth, back and forth. Yeah, back and forth. And is that not the weirdest thing? I just don't remember ever seeing something like that before. Where, uh, especially at the end of the season, they're home away, home away, home away. Um, I, I don't know. I just never. Um, yeah, you you usually feel like there's stretches where you get a three game stretch and then you're like on the road. Yeah. You don't see it's kind of balanced. All right, it's very balanced. It's it balanced. is back and forth. Back literally, you are yeah. right. It is no, but that might be a good thing. Is no real or hard to gain momentum. Yeah, no extended time away from home. Um, we have a bye after London, so that works out for us. Um, we do have to fly from Tampa Bay to um, – oh, no, my bad. All right, so we're at home against Jacksonville, and then we fly out to London. Then we have a bye, and then we're on the road at San Fran. So in my mind, that might be the toughest uh, part right there, right around between the weeks uh, five and six through eight maybe. Um, other than that, um, Seattle we have at home. The travel isn't too strenuous um, for a lot of the of the season. That's uh, kind of what I'm seeing. Well, you know, last was it last year? One year recently we traveled the most like east of Mississippi River or something. Like we still <laughs> traveled yeah. a ton and we didn't go that far. Like we didn't have a lot of West Coast trips. But we still had a lot of miles on the tire. I felt like it might have been last year. All right, so things that stick out to me about the schedule. Number one, facing off against the Rams, is that is a nice challenge to start the day, to set the tone. You can win that, make yeah. a statement game about the season potentially, or at least alleviate some concerns. You know, the Rams are going to be hungry coming out of the Super Bowl with a with a loss. You know, there's a lot of interesting storylines there for me. And Todd Gurley, you know, the hometown boy who I still continue to go back and say something was up with the McVay game plan because all signs right now pointing to Todd Gurley still being a large part of their offense. So, yes, maybe they wore him out. They rode him too hard. But so there are storylines surrounding that Rams game that's going to be interesting. Will Cam Newton play? Will he be ready? Um, Did you hear that Todd, they're saying Todd might have arthritis in his knee? Did you hear that? I saw that, but I would think every player has arthritis in their knee, to be honest. (laughs) I don't think every player does. Yeah, yeah, man. Like, that's like, it's kind of like saying, um, if you have asthma, like, you know that asthma, there is chronic asthma, but like anytime you basically have any inflammation of like your lungs, it's asthma. That's what the doctor told me once. It's just whether you have it chronic or not. So, like, I believe every player in the NFL has arthritis to a degree. Maybe, uh, but I know you and I were uh, flabbergasted last year at the usage of Todd 
And to me, if that is true, that does say a lot about Todd and his health. Um, and the fact that they just paid him all that money, the highest paid running back in the NFL. Um, listen, man, what worries me, or not worries me, um, and this kind of starts the draft talk a little bit, but, you know, depending on how we retool our offensive line, we're going to see who they are, man, right away. Aaron Donald right in the middle. Uh, Matt Paradis, who we just signed, is going to have a test. Trey Turner, whoever we have at left yeah. guard. Those Look names, at all these storylines. There are like a 100 storylines for this opening game. Yeah, a lot of them. There, there, there really is a lot of them. Um, and I think this will be the first time that Ron Rivera has been the head coach where he has had two back-to-back years opening at home. Uh, it's the first time ever for him. Uh, so the first time in a very long time for us. Um, I do think that's important. And we finish at home against Andrew Luck and the Colts. And, oh, my God, I want to win that one so bad. All right. That was – I was going to, like, save that for another thing that sticks out about the schedule. But since you brought it up, I'll skip what I was going to say. And that shoot is – I will say that the one thing, the very first thing when I saw this schedule, I said I want more than anything for Cam Newton to lead the most dominant beatdown of the Colts. This is the game I've got circled on the schedule. If it, if there is, if if it's not a sin as a fan to say that if we're going to have a bad season and there's one game that we can win where we kick ass, this is the one. You know what I'm saying? Like at any moment that this is very important to me as an individual, as someone who has been anti-Andrew Luck in his staying in college to get his interior decorating degree. Yes, you. that's <laughs> right. You interior decorating. And Mac, man, I hate him. I hate him. And I want Cam Newton. And I love Cam Newton. I want him to just beat it down. So that stood out to me first. But the next thing on the schedule, Coney, that stood out was that after, let's see what week it is. It is week one, two, three, four, five, six. After week six, after we play the Bucks, the Bucks become irrelevant to the Carolina Panthers. We've played them twice by week seven, and then all of a sudden at the back end of the schedule, we're going into... If the Panthers are relevant, if the Panthers are in the hunt, one heck of an exciting finish here. Titans, Falcons, Redskins. All right, Redskins, there is a slight rivalry with the Carolina Panthers and the Redskins that has kind of developed. Right, Seahawks, I would argue that this is one that the Panther fans want to win. They're circling that Saints. That back end of the schedule gets exciting as as soon as the Tampa Bay Buccaneers become what they are, and that is irrelevant. <laughs> I mean, unless this is finally the year that Bruce Arians sprinkles some of his magic Gosh, juice it on, might Dan, happen. on Jameis Winston, and, and they become the, the dominant team they were supposed to have always been. Um, hey, I, I don't know. Um, I do agree with you, though. Um, you know, so a few things. Seattle, um, yeah, I mean, that's been one of our biggest rivalries outside the division, right? It's a meaningful game. Every time we played them, it's yeah, a meaningful and, and game. And we've had it. a back and forth oh, with them for I didn't a even long read time. it right, Cody. I didn't even read it right. I was looking at the schedule right. It goes Titans. Listen to this. Titans, Packers, Falcons, Saints, 
Redskins, Falcons, Seahawks, Falcons, Colts, Seahawks. Saints. The back yeah, end of this schedule after the bye, if the Panthers are as competitive as we expect them to be every year, that's one hell of an exciting road to the playoffs. It is, man, and it also makes it even more interesting to on the road at home, on the road at home, on the road at home. Um, I, I'm into it. Um, going into Green Bay, we've beaten them the last two times that we played them, but it's been here in Carolina. So, uh, going up to Green Bay and um, shutting up all the cheese heads. We lost Rogers, last time we were in Green far. Bay. I'm pretty sure we lost when we were in Green Bay, and, and the Cam Newton snatching the the Green Bay sign that somebody was holding up and throwing in the trash while it was a home game two years ago. All of that makes that game more, even more interesting than it already was. Aaron Rodgers and his big jerk ass getting everybody fired. Storyline after storyline in that game. And then you got so many more, Cody. And hey, man, in 2015, we played the NFC South. I mean, the AFC South, we're playing the AFC South. Again, uh, we're playing Seattle like we did. There's a lot of similarities uh, between this schedule and, uh, and and who we played in 2015. So I don't know if any of you are, uh, you know, um, what what's the word? Um, uh, what's the word I'm looking for, Tony? Are you, uh, superstitious. Yeah. I don't know if any of you are superstitious at all, but. I don't know, and it's it's another year where we're supposed to be back on track. I'm excited for it. Um, I don't think that any team on there is uh, incredibly better than us. I think that we're a few pieces away. Uh, the the best team that not we an play easy schedule though. It's not an easy schedule. Not no, not easy. easy. It is not, not even easy. anywhere close to easy. That's I would argue that's a hard schedule right there. It is going to be if, one. That is must-watch TV, though, all the way each and every week. If we nail this draft, and I'm hoping and praying we do, baby, but if we do, I like our roster as much as any of these teams. All right. Uh, let's see this. What else we got? Um, so the schedule. Oh, anything. The I guess the last thing about the schedule people want to talk about is Panthers, they come out and say getting snubbed in prime time. Non-story to me. If anything, the story is thank goodness we yeah. got snubbed in the prime time. The Carolina Panthers are not very. It does. I don't feel like we've done great any time as a fan consistently in the prime time. And the most biggest stages where we're excited to play, where we think we have the most going for us. Twenty twelve reminds me of this. Is dang. You get uh, Ryan Khalil taking out an ad saying they're going to win the Super Bowl. We got a Monday or a Thursday night game, and it just began the beginning of the crappiness. We saw last year with the Steelers how terrible that began, the process. I feel like anytime people are saying, hey, the Panthers are not bad in primetime, they point to one and one only win, and that is the New England Patriots on Monday night where they picked up the flag after Luke Keekley hugged that guy before while the ball was in the air. Yeah, I mean, and you know, that's another similarity between 2015 also is that then we didn't have a lot of primetime games. We don't have a lot Thank this year you. either. 
Thank good, you. man. I said good. Listen, I mean, that doesn't really matter. We're going to watch every single one of the games. You know, so it's not like we're not going to see them. So it's not like prime time matters. No post game shows. Only a couple of post game shows in the middle of the morning, though. Yeah, and listen, I'll I'll, I'll say this: the the very final game of the season is against the Saints at home. If the if the Saints are good and the Panthers are good, there's a chance that that could not only be for our division, but maybe for the NFC as a whole. And that's at one o'clock. They might flex that to Sunday night oh, if it's yeah. in that kind of scenario. So you never know, man. There's uh there's a lot of different scenarios that can happen. Uh like I said, I'm not afraid of either, either of those teams. And uh, also don't forget Devin Funches is now with the Colts. So that'll be another reason. Oh gosh, to want another storyline uh, there. Yeah. You, you indicated you asked if we were superstitious. Obviously, I am because I, I hold a couple of ideas dear to heart. One is that the Panthers aren't very good in the prime time. Two is I love the black-on-black uniforms more than anything, but it always seems like we lose when we're wearing those. Number three was, hold on, I had a good third one. Oh, don't draft wide receivers from the University of Southern California. Also going back to some Panthers. That's Panthers superstition for you. Right there, 101 from Tony Dunn. All right, so we've got that. We've gone from Jonathan Stewart through the schedule. If you guys got anything to say, you can call into the Cat Calls line, 252-228-5098. That's 252-228-5098. Leave a message. We'll get you in on the podcast a little bit later. I do want to mention this, Cody. I was listening to Dan Patrick in the morning one day, and Dan Patrick said if it had not been – for Kyler Mur- the Kyler Murray storyline, that this would be a boring draft. And then one of his, uh, one of the other, the Danettes comes in, he chimes in, and he says, All we want to hear in this draft is we have a trade to add some excitement. I'm of the position this. I agree. Where is the drama? Where is the sensationalism? This may be the most reasonable the Panthers fan base and the media has been about the draft. Why is it that everybody seems entirely content with whoever we're going to pick? Whether you say this, and I am one of those people, you pick an offensive lineman, heck yeah, feeling good. Pick a defensive lineman, heck yeah, feeling good. Nobody else is talking about Odd things that could happen. There's no radical contingent calling for DK Metcalf to be drafted. This is a fan base that seems content regardless of the selection. And I describe this draft as sanitary, Cody. The mocks are sanitary. It is so clean. There is no drama. Tony Dunn, you know what? Me and you are like a, a, a Sunday night episode of Game of Thrones. You and I are a song of ice and fire because we could not be at further ends of the spectrum, my man. I am so excited for this draft and this draft in particular because I believe that we are in a prime position to draft a badass player. There are so many players in this draft that I would love to have as a Panther and that actually seemed like there might be a plausibility for us to draft them this year as opposed to other years past. 
names that you all know, like Jonah Williams or Andre Dillard, Cody Ford, Brian Burns, Cleland Farrell. There are so many players that are on the board, and the Panthers have had interactions with all of them. They've had visits with them. They've had private meetings at the Combine with them. All these players are guys that I've watched a ton of film on, and I think they make us a better football team right now. I have not felt that way in years past. So is there a bunch of crazy drama? I mean, maybe Kyler Murray, whatever, man. And now there's even talks. Um, let me go ahead and pull that up from Albert Breer, uh, that the Panthers are interested in moving up to secure one of the offensive tackles in this year's draft. They want to make sure that they land one of them. Here is so, your sensationalism hey, here. But yeah, then man. here you you see Albert Breer put this on a national site. Monday morning quarterback, it seems like maybe he has some insight. But on top of that, Marty Herney and, and addresses the media for the first time last week and says, no, I don't want to trade up. I want to trade back. And we were like, hell yeah, that is my point. Even this is the one example of any type of sensationalism surrounding this draft regarding the Carolina Panthers. And nobody even believes that it is even plausible. Like it is. So we're like, Hey, we're in such we feel like we're in a good place. And all right. So let's go to the chat room here. Some people say this is because so many holes on this team, right? Is that, Potentially, like, hey, we're okay. You do this, we feel good. You do this, we feel good. But what would it take? There's got to be something crazy happening in this draft. Is somebody dropping out of the top 10? Are the Panthers going to go and pick a cornerback and freak you all out in the first round? Do they draft a quarterback in the second? There are storylines through the sanitation that are murky, but to me, Cody, let me ask you this, is what is anything that could be exciting that happens with the Panthers or be upsetting that happens with the Panthers as we are two days away from the draft? So, okay, I don't know um, uh, about a lot of you in the chat. Um, As I've scouted players, um, a lot of people are really high on Byron Murphy, the cornerback out of Washington. And, you know, I, I do think that he's a good player, but I don't know. If you're a, a corner and you run an average 40 time and you're below six foot and your arms aren't very long and you're a zone corner, then I'm not no. really interested in you. I'm not interested in you with our first pick in the draft. That's James Bradbury. That. I mean, that that's not even as physically impressive Did as you James say Bradbury. He was under six foot? Under six foot. Oh, well, yeah, that's uh, not even, yeah, that's even worse than James Bramberry. Yeah, so, uh, I mean, he's a zone corner. He has flawless technique, um, but I don't know. I'm just not into that. If it's a Greedy Williams, who is a tall, long, shut-down corner, um, I might not love the pick, but I would certainly love it a hell of a lot more than Byron Murphy in that scenario. Um, you know, there, there are picks and players I would love, uh, then uh, at 16, where we're at now, there are players that I would love to trade up for if we do end up trading up. 
Uh, and then there are players that I, I, I like the pick, but I'm not in love with it. So I've kind of broken it down into tiers as to who I'm high on, who I'm low on. But the players that I'm high on that we have a potential to draft, a lot of them are very feasible for us. So I'm, I'm pumped, man. I'm absolutely pumped for the draft coming up. All right, so back to you then. We're on the clock. We make our selection. What name do you not want to hear? I don't know the names well enough. I don't know the All names right, well, well enough to tell you one person I don't want to hear. I don't feel like right now I'm res- I'm I'm happy. I'm happy if I hear um Jonah Williams, Andre Dillard, not upset. You know, you go back, you think about uh, I I just I was thinking about something we brought up last week in last week's show. The idea and something we've been talking about for weeks, building that wall, right? Build that wall around yeah, Cam man. Newton. Is that to me, I just keep saying this in my mind, Moten, people think he could be, like the kind of the plan is move him to left. Even if you draft yeah. the top guy, I don't know if you are going to feel any better about playing him on the left side than you would be about Moten. So I think about this, I think about Moten, Daryl Williams, Paradis, Trey Turner, and a top player that you can get at 16. I, that's exciting to me. So that goes down, I'm happy. I think that yeah. if you go and you get a edge guy that isn't kind of a reach and that being the long guy, I, I'm, I'm hoping that we don't go and try to get an inside linebacker. That's what I would say is this, is that I hope we don't try to get a defensive end that we primarily see playing in the stand-up position. That would be disappointing to me. I want a well, I want a guy on that's going to play defensive end that puts his hand in the dirt, and the reason okay. I believe that is because I've seen so many teams in the past do what the Panthers are trying to do: go from a four three, they go to a three four, they then draft somebody who they believe is going to be a college defensive end that can transition to a stand up <laughs> position. Here, I'll bring this up. I was going to save it for a little later. We won't go through them all. But in 2012, the New York Jets did this, and they drafted Quentin Copels from the a former UNC Tar Heel to be this exciting stand-up, potentially kind of a Julius Peppers-esque player who is going to automatically be in a 3-4 system I worry about those guys because I see only a few of them being hit. So that is my answer. Whoever that guy is, if that's Cleveland Farrell, then then I'm disappointed. But if you tell me he's going to be a a guy that can put his hand in the dirt and set the edge, I'm fine with it. I don't want one of these scheme-dependent, hope-for-the-best, and either boom or bust guys. Well, so to what you're talking about, Southern Farrell, he always played with the, with his hand in the dirt, and a lot of the talent evaluators are are saying that they, you know, they don't think that he's agile and flexible enough to be a three four outside linebacker. I don't adhere to that. I don't believe that. So there's two things to note. There are two outside linebacker edge rushers uh, in this year's draft, and one of them is one that we previewed, but he played mostly all his snaps 
with his hand in the dirt at FSU. That's Brian Burns, who is the lighter guy, but he is an incredible speed rusher. Um, his ability to bend the edge is absolutely insane. Then I don't want him. Rusher. I don't want him if he's well, projected to be a three-four guy. And well, he's is... not though. I mean, that, he, he's played all over. He has proven that he does play with his hand in the dirt, and he did so effectively. Uh, the one, uh, the one hesitation I do have is something that Carl Van says in the chat room. Um, I've seen offensive tackles from Louisville and NC State just put him in the dirt. I mean, he doesn't set a physical edge, and that's an important part of the position. Everyone talks about, you know, hitting the quarterback and getting pressures, and that's very important. But, you know, especially in today's NFL where the running backs are bouncing around, taking it outside, jet sweeps, you have to have a defensive end that sets a physical edge, and that's one thing that does worry me about Brian Burns. I think I would get I would be floored if the Panthers you what are the the one name I don't want to hear is it's a position I just truly don't want to hear anything other than offensive linemen or defensive linemen and I want to know this Cody is what would be the one what is there any position and this is the sanitary part that I am talking about that comes with this draft right here is that it's so sanitary at this point that Montez Sweat in a draft that I just looked at had dropped to 21. You had seen, um, you saw players too, like DK Metcalf in the 20, late in the mid 20s. And then you got, we were so excited by their figures. What I'm saying is this, is that we're not even upset that nobody like when DK Metcalf passes by not going to be upset Montez Sweat at 16 is interesting to me interesting to me I don't know why this isn't a larger part of the discussion what's that Montez Sweat versus Burns wait how about this is Montez Sweat versus Burns is right now Montez Sweat has dropped tremendously I just looked at one draft and he was in the 20s so we're sitting there at 16. We hear Burns is too small. We hear Furl is ready for the pros. Montez Sweat seems all of that plus more. He's in the 20s. Where well, is, the, are you happy with that? Or are you disappointed? You think, are you smarter I, than Montez Sweat? No, here, I am happy about that. Is it Sweat them, or Sweet? There, there's a distinction that, that, that everyone needs to understand. All of these edge prospects... I mean, okay, so there are talks that we might trade up. If we trade up, I want an edge rusher. Just because I think that having Nick Bosa on this team would just be Overrated. No, I don't want him. No, no, he is not. I override you on this. I I have watched too much film. Nick Bosa is a a, a badass, man. His mom could be an NFL pass rusher. If she yeah. wanted to, man, that, that whole family, that whole family <laughs> is insane, dude. I mean, I, 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 that would be the, in my mind, the perfect pick for us. But to understand that past everybody but Burns, I mean, but uh, uh, Bosa, who is a, a surefire uh, bet, in my opinion, all of these players have their downside. They're not finished players right now. Josh Allen has no inside moves at all. 
So if it doesn't beat you around the edge, and if it doesn't beat you with the hands, I don't want him. There's, there's nothing for him. All right, how about your boy Montez Sweat? When he doesn't beat you he with looks a bull badass rush, to the to the it's top not team. about look. When he doesn't beat you with a bull rush, man, it's not hard to stop him. It's not. It's really not hard to stop him. I've seen him hung up a lot playing against uh, tackles in the SEC. He has no backup plan. So a lot of these players are very raw. And you have to understand that no matter who we're talking about, there are going to be some uh, some de- uh, development that has to happen with just about all of them. So and it doesn't mean that they're not worth it either, man. Burns put on some more weight, set, uh, set the edge. I have no doubt he'll be a badass player uh, for a long time to come. Uh, you just have to understand that uh, all of them have their strengths and all of them have their flaws. So sanitary. It's, all about- it's sanitary. It's so sanitary right now that you just assume Bosa is going to be great. Just assume it because he got the name, his brother's pretty good, and he looks all right in college. It's so much harder in the pros. We thought Matt Khalil was going to be good when he came out of college, too. He had a great rookie year, and he stinks more than anybody. But listen, man, uh, Joey Bosa has the most complete arsenal of pass rush moves and violent hands that you'll ever see in a defensive end. The man knows how to get off of a block, and his bend is incredible. I I mean, that's a player, listen, man, from his uncle to his dad to his brother, they've all proven to be successful NFL players. And and Joey Bosa, uh, I mean, Nick Bosa, rather, grew up in that kind of environment with his brother and his dad, the man is going to be a badass pass rusher. A lot of them are, but they just they have to have time to develop. Um, someone in the chat asked me about Rashawn Gary out of Michigan, and I compare him a lot to Jadeveon Clowney, and you're going to use him in a lot of different ways. Uh, That's pretty but, awesome. It, it is. It, Clowney it, it went is like number one, too, or number two. Right, but three sacks uh, it, last year at Michigan when he was the most athletic player on the defensive line, where is all his production? I mean, he'll collapse the pocket, and then after that, he disappears. Uh, I mean, th- there is a lot of refinement to Rashawn. I don't have a first-round grade on him personally. Um, I, I do feel out of all the defensive players, the defensive line players in the draft, he probably needs the most polish. Um, that said, the, the athleticism is in like the, the 10 percentile, man. 270-something pounds, ran a 4.58. I mean, the, the dude is a monster, no doubt. But you're, you're going to have to learn how to use him in the best way possible. He's not ready from, from day one. You're listening to the C3 Panthers podcast. We encourage you guys to smash that thumbs up button. Right now, there are 59 people, 58 people watching. It's shame time, shame time. Only 23 thumbs up right now. Give us a thumbs up. It helps grow the show. It helps us get rise the ranks in YouTube. Be recommended to other Panther fans that want to join this tremendous chat room. Thank you for all of you that are part of this conversation each and every week. The number is 252-228-5098. Cody, so we've talked about uh, draft names that could potentially 
upset us. Some things that are on our mind in the first round. Things, obviously, this draft is beyond the first round. It's so hard to project at this point. I, My last question to you before we go to the cat calls line, what is the one thing that you think that could disrupt the projections of the most sanitary draft of all time? Here's the thing, is at this point, we continue to think that this is the way, these are the guys that are in our reach or available. Is there anything possible in this sanitary draft that could change that? I've seen, is Kyler Murray going to drop? So that's what it is. I mean, right now, everyone's talking about Kyler Murray, number one to Arizona, which I do think that is the best pick for them and the best place for them. You're not going to sign a, a head coach with a losing record from college, but yet might still be one of the best young offensive minds coming up in the game right now and not give him the quarterback that he wants. So in my mind, Kyler Murray will be the pick and they'll probably trade Josh Rosen, who I do like, uh, maybe the Washington or, or, or the, the New York Giants. Um, uh, that could be a destination for him. But if it is true, there are rumors going around right now that that's all fake and they intend to take Nick Bosa uh, with the number one pick in the draft. And if that is true, man, everything's going to fall into chaos because where does Kyler Murray go from there? Do the Raiders pick him up and say they're done with Derek Carr? Uh, are the Giants and, and our old GM, Dave Gettleman, finally going to pull the trigger on another quarterback and prepare for life after Eli Manning? Um, I mean, I'm, I'm absolutely uh, uh, positive in my opinion that Kyler does go uh, number one to the Cardinals, but I'm just, uh, I, I don't know. Outside of that, it would have to be some monster trade-ups uh, into, the, into the, the top 10. And right now, uh, there are a few culprits of which we might be one of them. Um, but that's but not that even going to happen. I guess the only team that could make this draft interesting to me, maybe to the Giants not picking a quarterback in the first round or some point, finding their solution might be kind of interesting. But maybe Oakland. Oakland continues to be the only team that we think could do anything wild and I think Mike Mayock plays it conservative in his first year as GM. Um, I mean, I don't know. You have three picks, and you're getting ready to move your franchise to Las Vegas. I mean, you better come away with some badasses. You have four picks in the top 35. Um, Just pick I, I them know. all, man. Just pick straight four badass players. That's what <laughs> I would do. That is exactly – I wouldn't trade nothing. I would pick four jokers straight on up that are going to be guys that we're going to get three, and three of them in three years are going to be pro bowlers. So, uh, Legacy wants to know where I think the quarterbacks will go and where I think the Giants might pick. Um, I think the perfect pick for New York is Dwayne Haskins. And all the talk that you hear is that Dwayne Haskins is falling in the draft class. And I want to come out very staunchly right here and say something. In 2016, I believe it was, everyone knew that Deshaun Watson was the best in the draft uh, based off of their play tape. But then everybody sifted through the film and they devalued him and they're like, oh, it doesn't have the arm talent, doesn't have this and doesn't have that. 
And look what happened. Deshaun Watson was damn near the offensive rookie of the year. Because he's black, man. I'm telling you. But I'm telling it's you, man. These the guys same, are black. And the I hate it, it, it's the only common denominator. It is the only common denominator. And the same thing is happening to Dwayne Haskins this year. I am telling you, this year, Dwayne Haskins is going to be in the running for Offensive Rookie of the Year. His understanding of the field is some of the best I've ever seen out of any quarterback to ever come out of the draft. He has a powerful arm. He knows how to survey the field. I'm very high on on, on Dwayne. Um, and then after that, Drew Locke. I, I, I have Drew Locke to um, Denver and have him sit under Joe Flacco uh, for another few years. And the potential on Drew Locke might be higher than any other quarterback in the draft class. So it'll definitely be interesting to see what happens with the quarterbacks. I am I am so befuddled by the quarterback situation this year. Lynn says, good grief, Tony. Yeah, I mean, is in, in most times it would say, like, hey, I guess the one piece of evidence is that at this point that it's not that he's black, is that Kyler Murray is the projected first-round pick. But I also think that the Cardinals are just idiots at this point. I think it's premature to give up on Rosen. I think that you wasted a draft pick last year if you picked somebody that you didn't truly believe in. That's a sad storyline to me. But I think actually Haskins is this, is that it kind of reminds me, like you're saying, Deshaun Watson. I felt that year yeah. Teddy, Teddy Bridgewater was pretty amazing out of that class of guys. And then they're like, well, let's pick, let's pick Blake Bortles, number one, from yeah. a nobody. You know what I'm saying? So is that... Yeah. If if Kyler Murray wasn't, I don't understand the Haskins thing. I'm surprised he's not the number one rated quarterback in this draft, to be honest. So he's not very mobile. Uh, he ran a, a five second forty yard dash, and then cramped up after his first uh, run. And yes, you did hear that right? A five second forty yard dash. That's yeah. that's offensive. That's offensive lineman slow. But it doesn't really matter though, because not every. There's this tendency now when you look at Cam Newton and Russell Wilson that everyone has to be able to be able to leave the pocket and run around and throw off platform. And yeah, that's nice to have, certainly. So but when you're mobile, you can't be a real state quarterback. You know, when you're a Cam Newton or this, you can't be that quarterback because it's your athleticism that makes you great. But when you're the black standstill quarterback, you can't be great because you're not mobile. Well, I, I do know this, though. Um, he, I, I compare him a lot to, uh, uh, I say, Ben Roethlisberger. Uh, I mean, I obviously think that he is a more stand-up person than Ben. But his ability to be able to stand back there and deliver the football, he's a powerful guy. He's durable. I, I'm higher on him than a lot of other people. And, uh, and my, my final take on a quarterback, if – Daniel Jones, the quarterback out of Duke, is a first-round quarterback. That's oh, when you know the madness over. is at an oh, all-time high. Exactly. Amen. The madness that. is at an all-time high. I would never, ever, ever spend a first-round draft pick on someone that makes that bad of decisions throwing the football, doesn't have any real arm talent. And, and you know what? He'll probably be drafted. By the Giants at seventeen. No, so, no, he won't. 
that all the reports are is that Dave loves him. He had the same coach as Eli, uh, as Eli Manning and Peyton Manning, and oh, he's such a smart guy, dude. I am. I'm he's so not down smart. He's not a smart guy. I listened to an interview with him, and he was um and ah central. I'm not saying he's dumb. He's not the cerebral <laughs> mug though that people are are comparing him to. Uh, so it's what was the Duke guy's name again? Daniel Jones, Locke, the Locke guy, had. Oh no, no, no he, that's not Duke. Uh, that's Missouri. Right. He Duke had. Locke. He sounded more refined and and like. So I listened to a podcast. I I forget which one. I think it was Move the Sticks, Bucky Brooks, and they talked to both of them. And I would say this is that I was more impressed with Locke just from the podium position. So I would think that that's crazy. That, that and and of course Dave Gettleman's going to do something that makes you wonder if we're all crazy. You're listening to the C3 Panthers podcast. You guys are killing it in the chat room tonight, and now we want to hear you kill it on the cat calls line. The number is two five two 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 eight fifty ninety eight. Cody, I think we got to get in here and see what the fans got to say. So what are your it, thoughts man. on cat calling? Yeah, it's pretty. You shouldn't do that to somebody. And how did that make you feel? Uh, very uncomfortable. So how do you think catcalling makes the person feel? It feels good, like... Hey, what's up, C3 Podcast? Uh, it's Tyler. I was listening to your podcast last week, and uh, I was going to respond to something that Cody said, his guest, not Cody Lashney. Um, he said something about how Marty Herney is making a hard decision on if we don't have a winning season, uh, he could be in trouble. But if you think about it, he's already in trouble if he doesn't have a winning season because Ron Rivera is already on the hot seat from last year. It may not seem like it anymore because it's kind of sizzled out. But Marty Herney's thinking uh, he's, he might not be here for more than one more year. So he's making all these moves, getting all these people. People are surprised, but I'm not surprised because if he didn't make any moves and we just had another losing season, he's gone anyway. He's not going to be here for more than a year if we have another losing season. Because if we get a new head coach, we're getting a new GM. So with all the acquisitions he's made, they've been great. But if we have another losing season, he's already going to be gone. It wasn't a hard decision in the first place. Uh, so he's been he's felt he's felt pressured to get all these people. It's not like um, he's thinking about the long term. Because if he didn't think we're going to have a winning season next year, even with signing all these people, he knows he's gone anyways. So he has to try, you know, his best to. Yeah. Have a winning season, keep Ron Rivera his job, or he's gone too, and he knows it. So, but I think all the moves he's made is great, and even if we don't have a winning season next year, uh, he you know he's tried his he's tried his best to to have his, uh to make us a good roster for next season. So that's all I got to say about that. I was just responding to the Cody from last week's podcast, but uh. I love the love the podcast, guys, and uh, keep out. 
All right, thanks Appreciate for that it, call right there. Is and Cody, I, we, this is something that we've discussed on the podcast in the past. Is that um, you know that clearly that with David Tepper coming in and buying this organization, continuing on with Marty Herney, which we thought that there was an opportunity, like you were calling for, rip the Band-Aid off, start anew. It did not happen. Yeah. Marty Herney is uh, the GM for one more year. Ron Rivera, there is continuity. There is, uh, we've seen some positive things coming out of two off seasons from Marty Herney. You can't dispute that Ron Rivera has been one of the most successful coaches, the most successful coach in Carolina history, even as there all these other teams were reaching for quarterbacks. But the point that was made by the caller that was, I think we absolutely agree upon is this, is that the seats are warm for these guys naturally. Marty Herney, obviously, and next, Ron Rivera. You go one, you go both, maybe. So there is a certain pressure intrinsically at this point that comes with Marty Herney and Ron Rivera's position. Yeah, absolutely. And also, you know, I think it kind of pertains to something that we were talking about last Tuesday night. And is if the Panthers use a second-round pick on a quarterback, then that, I mean, you're building for, that means Marty Hearn is building for a future that he might not even be a part of. I mean, you know what I'm saying? I mean, you Makes you it sound strange, God, right? Is that yeah, if we buy into the, the, the call, if we buy into really the position that we've held right here, that seems like the least pick you would want to make if you're trying to win anytime beyond or any in the near future. Yeah, I mean, I'm just, you know, I, if I don't genuinely believe, especially if the Panthers are looking to trade up, they might lose that second round pick in the process. So I just don't know. Um, I think that fear is a little bit overblown, but man, let me cross my T's and dot my I's, man. And well, just I think, that. all right, so I reached out to Jonathan Jones, works for SI now, um, but formerly with the Charlotte Observer. I asked Jonathan Jones about this. Is there any kind of pressure, you know, subconsciously that comes along with just, man, we need um, something out of Rivera and Herney that's that's trending in a strong, moving the needle in a positive way. He said yeah. he would be surprised if a guy sacrificed their professionalism for their immediate concerns. Now, I thought that that was a a very optimistic response in some ways. I don't think that Marty Herney, though, feels the pressure. I think that trading up would show that hand too much. That we feel like, I mean, that doesn't make sense because you're also being so aggressive that it might have the opposite effect that you hoped when it comes to Tepper. I think that Marty Herney, though, if he could pass on a quarterback, is that that's that's in his interest. His interest is for Cam Newton to be healthy this year. His interest is yeah. for him to get some impact players there and let the other guy two years from now worry about the rebuild. And listen, uh, uh, this is this is something else. If Cam Newton, if his arm is really that bad and they just do not trust that, that his best days are ahead of him instead of behind him, dude, I mean, there are quarterbacks coming out in the next two years 
that are some of the best prospects yeah. maybe to ever come out. I mean, Trevor Lawrence from Mike Clemson Tigers. I mean, people are already talking about the XFL offering him a, a ton of money to forego his junior season and, and play for a ton of money over there. I mean, dude, the, the hype train for a lot of these players, are they're already rolling right now. So if, if Cam Newton isn't the guy, I don't want Will Greer to be his backup. Or, or to be the guy that assumes the role. And to it doesn't move the needle enough. It doesn't no. move the needle enough. How do, you, how do you go from Cam Newton to Will Greer? I mean, come on. I mean, the, that, that's, you don't do that to this Panthers fan base, man. So right now you bet all your marbles on Cam Newton's health. I think uh, Kyle Allen showed a lot of promise last year. I believe he had a better arm than Taylor Heineke. Um, I'm just, I, I do not feel that you need to spend a premium pick on a, on a player that you hope never sees the field. And I believe that's sort of what Cody from Virginia was saying last Tuesday night. All right. Thanks for calling into the show. The number is 252-228-5098. Let's keep going on with these calls here. What's up, C3 Podcast? Uh, Tyler again. Um, oh, he's back. What's up, Tyler? Uh, tell you guys what I think is going to happen in the draft. Let's um, see what you got. Yeah, man. draft where we traded up to number three. I thought it was crazy, but I came up with my own little mock draft, and I was wanting to see what you guys think. All right. So, Give as we all know, uh, Ron Rivera and Marty Herney don't win some – don't get into the postseason. They're probably going to leave. So, I think I think Marty Herney's going to make a splash in the draft. And trade up. Trade That's my up. prediction. I'm gonna tell you from one right. one to where I think the Panthers are gonna pick. So one, the Cardinals are gonna pick Kyler Murray. San Francisco is gonna get Nick Bosa. Uh, at number three, I think uh, the Bengals are gonna trade up and pick Dwayne Haskins with the Jets because I know the Jets want to trade back. Woo! I uh, like that. Andy Dalton right. get his shit ass out of there and get Dwayne Haskins. <laughs> I like that. I like that. At number four, I have the Raiders picking Quinn Williams. At number five, I have the Broncos trading up with the Buccaneers. Pick uh, Drew Locke. All right. I'm pretty sure I hope Broncos this is the draft. This would be so exciting. The perfect spot because yeah. at number five, it's pretty rich for a linebacker. So, And the Broncos want to get yeah. ahead of the Giants to get Drew Locke. And at number six, the Giants just seen three quarterbacks go off the board, so they want to get their guy, Daniel Jones, at number six. And at number eight, uh, this is where I think the Panthers trade up. They trade with the Lions. They give them their first, their second, and they trade Torrey Smith. Because we got Chris Hogan, and I think that's I think we're going to use uh, Torrey right. contract contract as trade bait. And we're going to select Josh Allen. And number eight, trading up. Josh we Allen. give him a first, a second, and Torrey Smith. What do you guys think? That'd be, I'd be, that'd be a dream come true. All right. Yeah. I, look, I'm just going to say this, Cody, because I'm going <laughs> to let you you comment on the actual player, is that I hope that is exactly how round one goes, because if so, it is the least sanitary draft in the history of the world. Dude, it is not only is it the least sanitary uh, draft in the history of the world, but uh, let me take uh, just a second to talk about Josh Allen. Josh Allen had 17 sacks 
in the SEC. Okay, that is ridiculous, man. His uh, his bend is on another level. His swipe move is at an elite level. Um, like I said, do, uh, he needs some more inside maneuvers. But man, I, I believe that uh, he weighed two hundred and sixty something pounds. I like him to be able to put his hand in the dirt and be able to rush from an outside linebacker stance. That would be an absolute perfect draft for us. Um, I'm not so sure about the the second round pick. I mean, I guess it has to happen. Um, you know, I, I do want to bolster the offensive line. I mean, we've been chanting forever, build that wall. And I'm still all about that action. We do need to build that wall around Cam Newton, help him, uh, his shoulder to heal, and for him to return to MVP form. Um, but if we're able to, to address that in the third round with Yadni Kajus, who's someone I'm very high on, I would absolutely love that draft. Will be exciting bye-bye top Tory 10 picks, that's for sure. Bye-bye, Tory Smith. Great call from Tyler. Yeah, it was. was. Way to come back in there. (laughs) Had two good calls tonight there. All right, let's let's move on. I know we got to go across the ponds right now. Hi, guys. Rich in London. My Panther What's up, Rich? So, last phone call before the draft. Um, Firstly, exciting about Jay Stu retiring as a Panther. I think that was great for him. It's nice when former players can do that. I kind of missed his era. I wasn't quite as heavily into it when he was at his peak. But uh, good for him, and I hope he has a happy retirement with all his faculties and joints working. Um, As a former contact sport person, I can assure you that it doesn't get any better as you get older. Um, Anyway, so let's go on to the draft, everybody's favorite thing. Um, I think the best way to do this is just basically to make the short list of who I really, really hope we don't end up drafting. Um, okay. I think number one is Rashawn Gary, although there sounds like there's some injury risk there. Um, certainly, it, this is just first round, but I, I, I'm almost okay with just about everybody else. Um, I think I'm starting to lean more towards Jonah Williams um, and possibly even Andre Dillard because good edges come out every year. If you go back through the draft of the last few years, your, your Chubbs and your uh, Miles Garrett, um, there's people, you know, even like, I mean, last year, Arden Key, Harold Landry, you know, they were quite highly promoted and they've been good. In the next two years, there will be another edge that the Panthers will be able to pick up. But can you find a tackle? I mean, apparently, I'm, I follow the uh, Jim Nagy who runs the senior bowl on Twitter, and he's already said next year's O-line isn't as good, and this year's is tackle-heavy. Well, if you get one in the first round, you've got five years of cheap tackle. Um, You know, they're going for an absolute fortune. I mean, we're going to have to make that decision on um, Daryl Williams. Taylor Moten's only got another year before something's going to happen. You know, they're going to get expensive, and I think that's probably the priority. If you follow PFF, and I, I, I do, I mean, they grade every snap of every player and every game. Um, coverage is king. We have to take a safety in the second round because they'll probably be gone by the third. Um, and again, it's the, I think, I mean, I love Nasser Adderley as a pure free safety. 
Darnell Savage is very high for everybody as well. But Chauncey Gardner-Johnson um, and Taylor Rapp, there's there's a load of them. And, of course, one's Thornhill. One um, Thornhill. Another pure free safety. So uh, we'll love... just have to see. But I've done a million mock drafts. And uh, fingers crossed we just don't mess it up. Anyway, everyone. All right, man. As always, a great call from my man across the pond, Rich Kingston. And look, shout out to Rich, man. I know Rich loves this stuff like I do. He puts out a million mock drafts, and I comment on all of them. He loves this whole process. So I know he's also been looking at a lot of these players um, in in this draft. And I do agree with him, man. The Panthers do need to put another safety next to Eric Reed. And I put this out on Twitter. Man, my favorite safety in this draft is Juan Thornhill out of Virginia. I believe he has the best potential to be able to play free safety for the Panthers out of anyone in this draft. He's a little bit faster than Daryl Savage out of Maryland. Uh, he's a little bit taller than than Abram. And, and do he put up a 44-inch vertical jump at the combine? That is insane levels of athleticism. I cannot tell you enough how important a free safety is in today's pass-happy NFL. And I agree with Rich, man. I, I'm not mad at the safety in the second round. Um, there are players at edge and on tackle that uh, that I'm higher on than a lot of other people that I do think will end up being there later on. As long as we address the edge and the offensive line at least one time, I, I, I will feel better about the team. So, yeah, man, I'm 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 very uh very high on Juan Thornhill. So, Cody, you're you you've thrown a name out there. I was gonna we we're gonna do a little segment later. I'll just ask you this: is that yeah. um, when it comes to the Panthers, since I said there's no sensationalism, the sanitary draft. I wanted to ask what were some nightmare scenarios that potentially could light you on fire. We're talking this either or you have two choices here. You're pissed or you're burn the house down upset, right? So which one of these would make you burn the house upset, burn the house down on fire safety before an offensive lineman. Would that make you pissed or burn the house down in this draft? So that is a defense. Actually, think about this. That is the trade scenario. The Panthers move to eight. They get the Allen kid. They go and they pick a safety in the third. And you have no second round pick. There's that scenario right there. What is it? Is it if you see a safety so in a Carolina Panthers jersey before an offensive lineman, are you pissed or you burn the house down upset? Yeah, I'm, I am. I am a little bit pissed. Um, I mean, again, it depends on what they do throughout the draft. So, like I said, a player that I keep on saying, and I'll say again, I'm in love with the tackle from West Virginia, Yannick Juice. I, I believe he's an absolute mauler, and uh, some people have him as maybe a third or fourth round pick. So, if if we did that, 
you know, and, and, and traded up, got Josh Allen, and then picked maybe a Thornhill and, and a Yadney Kajus. Man, I'm in love with that, and I'm not as mad as I was before. But if we don't address the offensive line until the fourth or fifth round, yeah, I'm going to be a little bit upset because uh, of uh, something that Rich said during that call. This year, the tackle and the guards are going to be a lot better than the years to come by, by a lot. So why not grab the more premium position of importance right now then put it off until later? So, yeah, I'm 100% with Rich on that one. I, I would want a, an offensive tackle a lot earlier than that. Pissed or burn the house down if the Carolina Panthers were on the board at 16, Burns and Furl are there, and they go Furl. I mean, listen, man. Everyone's are you burning say the house down? I feel like you're such a Burns guy. You got to burn the house down at this point. That's more than piss. I'm, I'm not burning the house down. Okay. I really like Brian. And listen, everyone knows I'm a Clemson fan. It's not a secret. And people might, might say that I'm just uh, being biased toward my team. But listen, I'm telling you. My comparison uh, to Cleveland Farrell is Bradley Chubb and Frank Clark, who just got paid a ton of money. You're talking about 9, 10, 13 sacks a year from that kind of player. I, I mean, I, I feel the, the non-athletic tag has been so overblown on Cleveland Farrell. He is a consummate professional. He fits in well with our locker room. He comes from a military background. The man knows how to work for what he wants. That He will never, ever stop trying to perfect his craft and is a much more powerful player. As I said before, Tony, I've seen no-name offensive tackles put Brian Burns in the dirt. I mean, the, the, the difference in strength between Burns and Farrell is night and day. Farrell is a, a three-down lineman, whereas, you know, a, a lot of people compare Brian Burns to Vic Beasley uh, for, for the Falcons. And he's primarily a, a speed rusher. So does it offer anything outside of that? Sure, maybe, but you're depending on him adding a lot of bulk over the next season and the offseason. So I would love Farrell at that pick. And I know a lot of people would hate it, but let him be mad. I, I'm, I'm confident that Farrell is going to be an awesome defensive lineman. So, cool discussion with Ken in the chat room. He went to Auburn while Bo Jackson was a running back there. My in-laws were at UGA when Herschel Walker was there. Every now and then you get these special, special athletes. And Ken was discussing in the chat room just about how insanely amazing Bo Jackson was. And I'm not going to fight that point one bit. Is that uh, intensely? It, it, it's insane. I I think that it was a travesty that we saw them try to recreate the Bo Jackson ad with Kyler Murray and his little ass. Nothing the same. But he was talking about Bo and these stories. Basically, all the things that the stories are true. There's one thing about Bo Jackson that I love, and that was one time, this was in the early 2000s, I'm listening to Jim Rome 
He's at the apex of his career, probably. He's got a radio show in L.A. He may still. He had Bo Jackson on the line, and they were talking about some of the stories from his childhood. If they, you know, are these things true? Are they are they myths? And Bo was telling them a story, a real story. This is straight out of his mouth. I listened to it. He's talking about how they used to have crab apple fights in the neighborhood instead of. In the South, we had dirt clog fights. For some reason, when I was a kid growing up, there was random mounds of dirt everywhere, seemingly, and we would throw basically rocks at each other. Dirt rocks. Well, Bo Jackson had this, and I think he's a West Coast guy. Crabapple fights. It was Bo versus the block, Ken. Straight Bo <laughs> versus the block. And Bo would run the house. He said this this one time. He caught this kid inside hiding, hiding from him. And he straight threw a crab apple through that kid's screen door and took him. (laughs) He said that. I was like, that is the most awesome thing I've ever heard. Bo versus the block. You ain't safe even if you're in your mama's kitchen. Straight through the screen. What a great story that is. Uh, Cody, last kind of one. Go ahead. Before we move on, before we move on, I want to say one more thing uh, about Cleveland Farrell. Uh, They did a poll a few years ago about um, what do offensive tackles hate the most? And they said they asked speed rushers, but then they also said, a guy that can fit to the inside, change directions on you, and move in. It messes up their whole uh, uh, pass set and how they attack. Cleveland Farrell, from my opinion, has the best arsenal of secondary maneuvers out of, you know, most defensive ends in this draft class. And so, I mean, even though he isn't the most fast athletic defensive end in the world, he doesn't have this crazy bend you're talking about a player that even if he doesn't win going around the outside, he has a nasty inside swim maneuver. He, uh, his arm over is on another level and is incredibly powerful. And his motor never runs low. He never gives up on on the play. So, you know, there is a subsection of Panthers Twitter that does nothing but shit all over Clillan Farrell. And, you know, I may not be paid to do this yet, uh, not not very handsomely, but I'm willing to bet my my professional opinion that Farrell is going to be a badass player in the NFL. So that's all I have to say, man. All right. Um, pissed or burn down the house? Tell me which one. Actually, this. This is just burn down the house. Pick which one makes Cody burn down the house. The Panthers draft a corner in the first or a QB in the second. Oh, probably that quarterback in the second, man. Dude, that's just such a shitty thing to do to Cam Newton, man. Dude, I am going to be furious. Absolutely furious if we draft a quarterback um, in the second round. Um, and if it's a corner, listen, Greedy Williams... Um, I'm a lot higher on than a lot of other people has been devalued throughout this whole process. I don't love the pick, but I am not mad at putting Gregor Williams in our backfield. 
I mean, you're talking about a shutdown press man corner that runs a four three seven. Yeah, sign me up. I mean, you know, having uh, dominant defensive backs is important in the modern NFL. So um, it, it just depends on the corner. If it's Williams, I'm happy. If it's Byron Murphy, uh, I need to run to the bathroom, dude. That's all I'm going to say on that one. All right. Let's go. keep going with these cat calls. The number is 252-228-5098. Rich. From across the pond, Kingston, coming back with round two. Hi, guys. All right, second one. Enough of the draft. There'll be enough of that tonight. Um, I thought I'd give you a quick breakdown of the uh, new Tottenham Stadium. Um, so, yeah, October 13th, you're coming over. Woohoo! Um, and it's for the brand new stadium of Tottenham Hotspur Football Club, who are one of the biggest football clubs in the whole of Britain, um, in the top, certainly in the top ten probably in the top five, depending on who you talk to. But the brand-new stadium is apparently absolutely fantastic. Um, I was talking to one of my clients this morning, uh, and he's he's there again tonight. They're playing against Brighton. Um, and it's absolutely fantastic. He's got fairly low-down seats that says that the vision is absolutely superb. Um, it was also designed with American football in mind because the two changing rooms big enough to accommodate the number of players which bear in mind in football or soccer in the UK and the rest of the world there's only 11 people playing and probably not much more than 20 people in there uh, whereas obviously you've got 53 guys or so with and around in pads so it's all been specifically designed to tailor to American football as well viewing is absolutely fantastic um, and it looks like it will be fantastic um, capacity is down on Wembley Wembley was 20,000 more um, and it's the home of football where it all began, or soccer in the UK. Um, so there will be less tickets than there could have been. Um, but otherwise, absolutely okay. The area around Tottenham isn't fantastic, okay? Anyone coming in, that's not where you hang out. So what you want to do is make sure you understand how to get to the stadium and after the game, get back out again into central London or wherever it is you're staying. Um, because it isn't a fun, happy, clappy place to be. Um, it's not awful, but it just it isn't the place. Get back into central London. Um, if anyone wants to follow me on Twitter, Rich Kingston 73 um, you know, these guys will follow me. Let me know. Uh, I'll be quite happy to meet up with people. I know the riot and all the rest of it will be going on, but I'm not a part of that. Um, but if anyone fancies, fancies beers and things before or after, it would be fantastic. Anyway, there you go. A brief, a brief overview of what we're going to do on the day when we spank the Tampa Bay Buccaneers because they're crap. And James Winston's going to throw 15 uh, interceptions to uh, 15. Don that's Hill right. Savage I was going to say 16. Up. Anyway, take care, guys. And uh, looking forward to listening to this tomorrow because you always air it at 2 o'clock in the morning here. All right. Keep pounding, guys. All right, look, that's Rich Kingston. There isn't a, a bigger Panther fan that you're going to find out there than Rich. At, at Rich Kingston 73, uh, pulling that out. I hope I didn't mess it up. I follow him on Twitter. You should as well. Totten, talking about Tottenham's, Tottenham's new stadium. While I think that, you know, sometimes I think building venues a little too small is better than building them a little too big. There seems to be a certain exclusiveness that comes around with a packed house that is exciting. 
And some real inside information there. And, Cody, if you're going to that game, man, you got to know where to go and party. Because part of that game is going to be so fun just because it's 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 a something different. The first time the Panthers have done this, it's going to be uh, a way for them to connect with fans that we know there's a strong fan base of diehard Panther fans, whether it's Rich or Drake, Jay Cryer, so many more names that uh, of people that we know follow American football uh, passionately. But there is a, that's the gold nugget right there is that you're really going there for the experience, though, of going to England, going to London, traveling abroad. I saw Just Jones say she got her first passport ever on Twitter and talking about this. That's some inside information about get back to central London and do your partying and uh, your pubbing there. While this is going to be a nice stadium, it's a little slightly in the cut. That's the inside tip, Cody. I mean, yeah, man. Listen, I know one thing. I, I will definitely not be able to go to London uh, for that game, although I definitely wish I could. But, man, let me tell you, if I was going to London – the first person I'm calling is is Rich Kingston, letting him show me the lay of the land, all the good pubs where all the nice looking females hang out. That's what I'm doing if I'm going to London. So, uh, yeah, man, uh, it's definitely cool if people are. I mean, uh, just imagine that for a minute. Imagine going to another country to see your hometown team play football. That has to be pretty uh, pretty damn cool. If you think about it, man, someone's going to definitely have an incredible experience doing that next season. You know what? So, I'm happy for Rich, man. I um, haven't even thought about it being a potential opportunity. But, boy, I might kind of game plan here. Do some things, maybe. I got to start thinking about that. What you're talking about here is husbands out there. This is a way for you to take your wife to a football game and it seemed like the most romantic and wonderful thing you've ever done. And that is if you somehow were able to aggressively save, like that's what I'm talking about. I'm sitting here thinking like, can I teach some extra classes? Can I do some side work? How can I reduce the bills on the slide? So one day I come to my wife and say, hey, I've planned a trip for us to London. You're, you're freaking 007 James Bond cool at that point. And even when you say, hey, we're going to a Panthers game, she ain't backtracking at that point saying, oh, you just wanted to go because it's a football game. You know she's excited as hell that she gets to go and be a part of that. Oh, yeah, man. It's London. I mean, hey, man, that would be uh, one of the most fun times uh, that you can never imagine. Um, hey, man, if you get the opportunity to do it, definitely do it. Mm, I don't know. Might have to sell a kidney. Joe, I hope Joe didn't hear that. Um, all right. <laughs> Here we go. Next cat call. Only two more to go. Hey, Panther Podcast. How y'all doing? This is uh, G. Cavassier. What's hey, up, man, G? The drafts and what, day after tomorrow. I can't wait. I'm so damn excited to see who the hell we going to take. Now, I've been calling weekly, and y'all know, for yeah. 
forever. I've been wanting to take Jonah Williams, the left tackle out of Alabama. But in reality, I was feeling he's not going to be there at 16, and I do not. And I repeat, I do not see us trading up, even though a lot of people see us trading up to get somebody else besides Jonah Williams. But here's my opinion of, you know, if Jonah Williams is not there. If Jonah Williams is not there, I say we get Montez Sweat. If he's not there, get Clean Clinton Farrell. If he's not there, get Brian Burns. What everybody has us taken recently, as you guys noticed, is Andre Dill Dillard out of Washington State. That's not a bad yeah. pickup, man. That's really not a bad pickup, to tell you the truth. I, I like that dude. I really like, you know, the Taylor dude out of Florida, but you know, he's gonna be gone way before the sixteenth pick. And and Cody, yeah. you saw it on Twitter. I don't know why in the hell people think we're gonna take Rashawn Gary, the defensive end out of Michigan. There's no way in hell I want that dude to play for the Panthers. To me, that dude has busts written all over him. That's my opinion. Him and that dude Murray from Oklahoma. I just feel like he's gonna be a bust. That's just my opinion. So um give me a take, you know. Now is the time. Who would you take? You know, if Jonah Williams is not there, would you take Brian Burns, Farrell, Montez Sweat, or Andre Dillard? Me personally if Jonah Williams is not there, give me Montez Sweat. If he's not there, give me Andre Dillard. If he's not there, give me Clinton Farrell. If he's not there, give me Brian Burns. See, Burr. it's so sanitary. We're so happy. No, like, so we're fun right fun there. Fun, I'm man. right with G. I am 100% with G. Is that I am high on Sweat, and I'm happy with any one of those damn names. Sanitary. Yes, no. Sanitary. Okay. But listen, man, so you're you're an anarchist, man. You're living on the edge, dude. You want you want some chaos. I, listen, I, I, you you and I are Panthers fans. We know that these players have the potential to be very good football players. It means that one of them is going to be a Carolina. They're Panthers, all going to be good in our eyes. They're all the same. They're all the exact same player. I feel like at this point. Yeah. They are not the exact same <laughs> player, man. Some of them could not be more different, dude. They could not be more different. Two names I wanted to mention um, on the event that we do trade up because uh, uh, that article did say that we're looking to trade up for an offensive tackle. So Andre Dillard obviously is one of them. But uh, a player that we have not talked about is Jawan Taylor, the offensive tackle out of Florida. And if, uh, you know, you've talked about what if they put Daryl Williams at left guard, Taylor Moten at left tackle. It's going to be then, awesome. Uh, then Jawan Taylor is the best right tackle in the entire class. And we'll and be he so is, excited. Build that the, wall. Nobody's upset. Everybody's excited. There is no draft pick that can go wrong for the Carolina Panthers. I've never even heard of a world that fans – say that that could exist we're just ultimately happy like g is give us that guy we ready yeah man we want the dude on the team um and and just the the final name i'll mention that i just took in the most recent draft tech my draft which by the way you need to be following um or you should have been following is uh cody ford out of Oklahoma, strong name, as you might already can tell. Um, but that's another guy that could play guard or tackle for us. And that's another player that, from an offensive line position, we've met with them. 
and he might be the best fit. So because you haven't heard of him does not mean that he is not a great football player. He has my endorsement. So we have met have. with him. That's it. Is yeah. it go back? Yeah, I bet have. you this is I bet you everybody the Panthers have drafted ever in the history of Marty Herney the team's met with. So that will tell you who and uh, who isn't potentially on the draft board, maybe. Here's the last call of the night, 252-228-5098. Hey, guys, this is uh, Jedi Jor. Uh, I don't know if you guys watch Game of Thrones, but I know a lot of people do, um, including myself. Cody does. Uh, my question, I, I just want to add a fun question tonight. Um, out of any Game of Thrones character, who would you want to draft to put on the Carolina Panthers? I think Tom's question would be the mountain and have them, like, the fucking left half of the fucking century to just destroy people <laughs> on the left end. But um, anybody other than the mountain, who would you want to have one of the Carolina Panthers? All right. Have a good one. Jedi Jor with a great call for the night. I'm telling you this, is Cody, I know you're a giant fan of Game of Thrones. Oh, I dude. am a... Um, required fan I guess is right now because you guys say it's the best thing I've ever heard of in the whole world is that I've tr- I am still watching it I am on season 4 I am over halfway through the first book at this point and that's what I'm reading right now so I've got some strong feelings on that but they're also limited to pre season 4 attitudes right here so Cody I'll let you take this one and I might get into it yeah, man. So, uh, not only am I a Game of Thrones super fan, but I'm one of those extra special nerds that have read all the books as well. So, check this out, Jedi. I'll give you two different answers, okay? Um, I'm going to go uh, Oberyn Martell as a safety for the Carolina. <laughs> I like how you picked the position, too. Yeah, <laughs> Oberyn as a strong safety for the Carolina Panthers would be a badass character to have. But the inner book nerd inside me goes a young, strong Robert Baratheon with that Warhammer. Oh, yeah, yeah. I'm putting him... But we don't get to meet the- him in the books, so that is hoping no, for the no, best. That's drafting... You just drafted Kelvin Benjamin. No, and yes, the show because Robert Baratheon was fat by the time Game of Thrones kicked off. We only hear back. about amazing Robert Power. Baratheon. We hear about Power. we see fat ass Kelvin Benjamin Baratheon there. No, power never leaves you. That's all right. We'll just put him at defensive tackle. No one cares if a defensive tackle has a fat belly. Robert Baratheon with that badass Warhammer. All right. I'm ready. All right. I got three people. Three people, three different things I need to talk about. Number one, my first draft prospect from Game of Thrones. Again, this is pre. I'm about three episodes into season four. It's actually rekindling a little interest at this point. But number one draft pick and prospect is the Hounds. The Hounds yeah. will do whatever it takes. I don't care if he murders his brother, if he has to kill his brother who burned his face in a fire when they were children over a stolen toy, or um, 
being that character guy that develops that is probably going and, and and being a guide at least he says it's for coin and cash we'll see what it turns out i'm not there yet but is it era the little girl with the needle right aria yeah aria for me is <laughs> she's, she's the slot receiver she is the one <laughs> that right. finds a way to get open and all of a sudden is the West Welker later in her career. But I think one thing is this, is that I'm saying Cersei for coach. Because she's ruthless. Yeah, she is the Bill Belichick will cheat and steal your playbook. I want to make one comment. I wanted to put this out on Twitter, but I thought all the Game of Thrones nerds would uh, come after me and say, like, and... And I just want to say, like, there's one thing after watching season three. Maybe it was the first episode of season four. I can't remember. But I've never felt so much satisfaction in a fictional character dying a slow, miserable death as I did with King Joffrey. I absolutely did not feel... I felt guilty that I felt so much satisfaction as I watched his punk ass die. And then, Cody, it gets worse. His mother gets raped by her brother, who is their parents of this kid, on his grave. And guess what? I hate her so much. I didn't even feel <laughs> terrible. I didn't even feel I was like, nothing to see here. I got to go make a sandwich. And you shouldn't feel terrible. I hate uh, those not, bitches. Not, I hate both of them. <laughs> yeah, even as time moves on, you will not find very many redemptive qualities um, and, and, and her character. Yeah, no. If I'm picking a head coach, I'm going to Three-Eyed Raven, man. Put the little wheelchair boy on the sideline. Let him look into the <laughs> past. And all, let, let him look all throughout time. He's looking at their playbook. Dude, we're ready to go, man. Ah, the Three-Eyed Raven, three Raven is my head coach, uh, no doubt. I like oh, that. And one, and, and one final sleeper pick. My left tackle is Brienne of Tarth. That's right. The woman, the, the, the incredible sword fighter, Brienne of Tarth oh, is my God. left <laughs> Brienne. I feel again another thing I feel terrible about. I'm like, you are giant and unattractive. Hey, but that's her so, character, man. That's her character. She's I a bad feel awful about I, myself. That was all in the right. same episode. I felt like I needed to go to confession afterwards. She uh, is not a, 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 a looker, she is someone meant to beat your ass. And that's what I want. I feel like she could be a fullback. Protect her, man. I want her to tackle. Yeah. And you're, right. Anytime you're right. I think you're right. Chop their asses down, dude. <laughs> Brianna Tart, left tackle. With the 16th pick in the NFL draft. Woman of integrity. Yeah. Right there. 100%. Woman of love. All right. Um. Okay. So I think we've got all through. I think that's all the cat calls for tonight. Um, right now, we've done. Pretty much every, actually, no, I've got two other things. My wife is going to be upset. She's going to be like, why does your podcast go forever? 
<laughs> Here's two Unless scenarios. I want to know two scenarios here. What you think about this? Sweat falls out of the top ten. This big heart. Someone in the chat room said he had a large heart. So he's not a lover. He's got a health condition. They're trying to say sweat falls out of top ten. Do you pick Burns over him? Uh, for me, like yeah. am I picking you, Burns? Is sweat and Burns are there at sixteen? Are you picking Burns over Sweat and feeling great about it? You know, I feel this might be a little bit controversial, but I probably am picking Burns over yes. Sweat. Such I, I a just draft nerd over that. I mean, as I, I look at elite level athleticism, the ability to pressure the quarterback, bend the edge get to the back foot of the offensive tackle before he even gets into his kick set. Um, Brian Burns is incredibly fast. <clears throat> um, you know, I, I do want him to be a little bit stronger, but I don't know that he's not going to be able to do that. Um, and by the way, a lot of the things that were said about Brian Burns were said about Demarcus Lawrence when he was drafted. And look how he turned out to be. The, the point of the matter is you never know. You have a player like Brian Burns and you say, oh, man, they're not strong enough or they're not this and they're not that. And then they have 15 sacks a season. So, I, I you know, I'm higher on uh, – Farrell than most, but I'm also lower on Montez Sweat than most. I'm not saying I'd be uh, unhappy with that pick. Um, I just, I'd prefer Brian Burns, uh, his upside a little bit more. Narvaez says, look at her pictures in real life. She's more pretty than the giant left oh, tackle right. man. Yeah. <laughs> um, there was another one in there. Janet Reno is an imposing figure. Janet Reno, I feel like she was like the educational secretary or something like in the 80s. I don't know who that is but, on Game of Thrones, but I feel like Janet Reno was a politician or a civil servant in the 90s at some point. Can't remember that by one. The, by the way, uh, Scott Thomas says Burns can't play with his, uh, with his hand in the dirt. Sweat can do both. Burns played over 70% of his snaps. With his hand in the dirt. I mean, Brian Burns was a 4-3 defensive end for the Seminoles. So, I, I don't I don't adhere to that at all. Um, he just he needs to put on some muscle mass. And, I mean, is that true? Yes. But the frame, the athleticism, he's proven the ability to be able to do both at a very high level. So, um, yeah, absolutely he uh, will be able to put his hand in the dirt and rush as a 4-3 defensive end. And he just needs some time to grow into his frame a little bit more. But I do prefer Brian Burns over, over Montez. All right, scenario number two. Who has to fall to 33-34 where all of a sudden the Panthers are interested in moving up a few spots and getting a guy who dropped out of the first into the second. It's a hard question. Yeah. A hard question right there, but a lot of receivers going late in the first, I think, could disrupt some things. And maybe in the favor of the Carolina Panthers, if you are starting some of those receivers coming off the board in the first, 
some of those guys that you have a first-round grade on, maybe a safety, maybe an offensive lineman, all of a sudden at 36, 33 become appealing. Yeah, man. I mean, I'm uh... – so one guy, give so me one guy you want to fall out of the first that's legitimate, that you would be okay with trading a fourth or your second and your fourth to move up six spots and get. So to jump back into the first round. Or, yeah, or maybe ultimately if you if you jump to – I think that the Panthers would try to jump into the 34, 35 spot because it doesn't have the premium of jumping into the first round, but ultimately achieves the same thing. So I think if you jump to 29, you got to give a little bit more just because you're jumping into the first. But if there's a guy there at 35, 33 that you really believe in, who's the guy that should have been a first round pick that's sitting there at 33? You're ready to pull the trigger on no matter what. Yeah, man. And uh, so there, there's a, there's a few different players. Um, Jeffrey Simmons, the defensive tackle, uh, who Adam Martin just mentioned, he would be a top 10 pick in this year's draft uh, had he not torn his ACL. And they even said that had he not torn his ACL, uh, or that he, uh, even though he did tear his ACL, he might be able to play – in the back end of this season. Um, so Jeffrey Simmons is there. Um, how about Dexter Lawrence? 342 pounds. I mean, he's so athletic. Um, almost ran a, a 4.940 time at the combine. People are going to want to put him at three tech. He's more than just a big um, space eater at defensive tackle. I believe he has a ton of upside. An absolute ton. Um, even though defensive tackle isn't our most pressing issue right now, Dexter Lawrence or Jeffrey Simmons might have to be the, the, the player that I picked there, especially if we draft an offensive tackle in the first round. So, All right. Yeah, that's why. So what we've got is we've got some scenarios where – you know, you were, we're hoping that the Panthers get a golden Easter egg that drops into their basket from the top 10 into their lap at 16. We're hoping that they do not do any of this nonsense that some of the people are flo- floating out there and selecting a quarterback uh, in the second round. Let me just, I do want to read these names off to you. We won't have to talk about all of them or any of them. Here are the number 16 picks over the last 10 years uh, for uh, in, the, in the NFL draft. Uh, last year, in 2018, the Buffalo Bills selected inside linebacker Tremaine Edmonds. In 2017, the Baltimore Ravens selected Marlon Humphrey at cornerback. <coughs> we get Taylor Decker by the Detroit Lions offensive tackle in 2016. Right now, you say any one of those names, and uh, I don't know if any of us. I mean, obviously, Tremaine Edmonds. There's it's Buffalo. Who cares? And second, you know, only a year in, Taylor Decker, 16 pick. You want if the Panthers are picking him three years later, you want to be dominant player 
I don't know if that's where he's at because all I see with the headlines are the Detroit Lions are interested in bolstering their offensive line. But obviously that could still be the case even if he was playing well. So what I'm trying to get to, Cody, is 16's a tough pick. But in 2015, I think the best name so far on this list goes to Houston at cornerback Kevin Johnson. What year was that? 2015, Kevin Johnson, just coming out now and, and, and really hitting free agency, was a guy that's a priority list. That's a good name. 2014 gets even better. Zach Martin, guard with the Cowboys, five Pro Bowls, three-time All-American. You're talking about the Panthers at 16. If you draft a player like Zach Martin five years from now, you're pretty darn happy. Five Pro Bowls. Three all-time All-Americans. Yeah, that Zach Martin pick, uh, that that worked out for the best, did it not? Uh, one of the best guards in all of football. Um, yeah, um, I don't know, man. See, this is where me and you differ. I really don't like to look at uh, other picks and say, oh, well, this is the type of player that's drafted at, at 16. It's Dude, nobody knows, man. No one has no, a crystal you, ball. You do and, look and also, back and just go is that ultimately your middle of the pack at 16 has this player changed your team. Zach Martin and Kevin Johnson are the best names on that list because here's three. Here's two other names. EJ Emanuel for the Bills, quarterback. Quinton Copels, who we mentioned earlier in the show, inside line. I feel like this is the Copel's pick in 2012 could be the Panthers pick in 2016. A guy that a team that's trying to inject uh, some youth and athleticism into their defensive lineman, their defensive line. They're trying to adjust to a three, four system. Quentin Copel's at 16 does seem like a, a pick that like, Hey, at the time you're really excited Later on, in retrospect, not as exciting. The year before that, Cody, big name, Ryan Kerrigan to the Skins defensive end. That's the type of player you want in 2011. He's been a very underrated pass rusher for the Redskins the past few years now. Ryan Kerrigan is a very good player. Um, uh, yeah, I mean, look, the, the chat room is talking about what, what are we drinking? What are we drinking on draft night? Tony, what's going to be your... You're poison of choice. Boy, I better drink something with low alcohol content because Tony gets, by the time 27, 28 comes around, I am a wreck. I mean, hey, if this draft is so stale, you might want to do that anyway. No, I'll be drinking whiskey if the draft is so as as stale as I think it's going to (laughs) be. Oh, man. So, um, yeah, listen, man. Uh, I'm a Heineken man. I, I love a good Heineken. Uh, listen, people are going to blast me for this. I'm not a big IPA fan. Uh, I'm just not. I'm not a fan of the, the bitterness. It's hippish the right now. It's hippish. I, I mean, yeah, it is. Um, I also have a, my neighbor and my uh, good friend works at Sugar Creek Brewery here in Charlotte. And uh, they have a white ale that I absolutely love. And, uh, yeah, I'm a dude, man. I like a white Russian from time to time. I'm not mad yeah. at it. The, the dude, dude. The dude survives. The dude. Uh, I don't know what, my, what, what, what I would drink. Because right now I'm drinking a Voodoo Ranger IPA. 
My favorite beer all around, go to all the time. People don't like it. Big box craft beer, Sierra Nevada Pale Ale. My go to, like the, my that's my that's my go to giant beer there. But uh, I drink everything. That's the problem. Unfortunately, you better hope I start with water and move to the IPAs. If I get into the IPAs in the first ten picks. It's going to be a mess at pick 26. <laughs> all right. Yeah. Last, uh, I don't think that, I think that's it. That's all I've got for the night. I do want, we got to get into those ice out picks real quick. And, and I do want, I do want to mention earlier, but uh, before everybody uh, uh, checks out the stream for the night, if you want to join us on draft night, please message me on Twitter. We want you all to come hang out. And chill with us on draft But we night. have to it's make just... a schedule because it gets crazy. When we get over six people in the hangout at the same time, it's a little hard to keep up with. So we do have to kind of make an outline of when people, we hope them to get on. It's not a firm time commitment, but Cody, we need them to message us so we know how quickly we're trying to cycle people and what we're trying to do with the flavor of the show. Absolutely, but the point is that we do want you to join us, and if we're going to have enough time to do that, message me on Twitter, at C-O-D-Y-L-A-C. That's me on Twitter. Hit me up. Hit me a message, or if you uh, if you're friends with me on Facebook already, uh, that's how you do it, man. You message me on uh, Facebook or Twitter, and hey, we're, we're going to make it happen. We want you to hang out with us and join us and just BS on draft night. We're going to be very nonchalant and chill, and uh, we're going to have an awesome time, man. So come through, join us. It'll be lit. All right, so you're listening to the C3 Panthers podcast brought to you by CarolinaCatChronicles.com, where every Tuesday night we chop up the latest Panthers news and opinions from the fan perspective. We've done it with you guys in the chat room. You've been tremendous all night. The cat calls have been amazing. The number is 252-228-5098. Remember, the draft show's live on Thursday. We want you to be a part of it. Even if you can't, jump into the show and give us your position, your take. We want you in that chat room. We want your position, your perspective. There's nothing better than that raw, unfiltered, concentrated reaction to the NFL draft. I promise you, it will not be sanitary. It will be more exciting. That's the point. It's strange. I know it's going to be wild. That's my prediction. We think it, I think it's sanitary, but in the end, it could be wild. Now, uh, Cody, let's jump into the last part of the show where we tell somebody ice up to toughen up to get it together. It's our homage to Steve Smith where we call out somebody in our society or something in our society and say, pull it together. Cody, what do you got for us? I hope you got uh, something uh, ice cold for us. Oh, man. Not only do I have something ice cold, it literally takes place on ice, my friend. So uh, some of you might know the Carolina Hurricanes are in the playoffs right now. And I'll be up front with everyone. I'm not a huge hockey fan. If I'm into a sport, it has to be a lot of violence. So it has to be uh, football or it has to be MMA. But... Uh, and listen, this probably isn't going to be very popular if there's a lot of um, hockey fans in the chat room or listening. But there, there's just something that has always baffled me about the sport. 
and I want to play a uh, clip real quick and I just yeah that's fighting out of your weight class that's a KO you don't Damn, you admire the it. courage but man oh man dude scary moment is Alexander Ovechkin Smokey Smokey said you just got knocked the, the fuck out old Andre <laughs> yes, Ovechkin's been challenging him physically the entire series. Nothing wrong Just with that. Just put him Both on his ass, And he was wanting it. He was saying, come on, back. man. Little punch and not that. He was like, little all right. Back. And then you want to go? Okay, let's go. Well, that's not a fair fight in terms of maturity and strength. And there you see the damage. And you heard what that dude just said. That's not a fair fight in terms of maturity and age and body type. And here's my thing. I just told you I love violence in my sports. I'm either a diehard football fan, which you all know. I'm also a diehard MMA fan, which you also know if you follow me on Twitter. Why is this a part of the sport? I do not understand it for the life of me. What does this have to do with the game and how it's played? I just do not understand for the life of me. Everyone has to take a break, throw down their gloves, and start just beating the shit out of the Don't other be a players. Pansy, man. Yeah, I love real fighting. I like MMA with real skill. I'm into the good stuff, man. Not that. Dude, that, that's just two dudes holding on to each other, throwing punches. That's he not got even... knocked him jack out. He got blasted. Yeah. Heard the world star hip-hop and watch fight videos. I'm icing up the whole sport for even letting fights like that to happen. Man. All right. You don't have to agree with me. Ice up the NHL, man. I'm coming back after you on this. Let me tell you this. Is I'm gonna, on, I've been thinking about this. Is that... um. Because I do think there, you got a point. Is that like as we're in a in a sport that we continue to refine? Is this an element that should be phased off similarly to you know, in the 1990s there were still guys skating around the ice that didn't wear helmets. They were grandfathered into the sport rules because in the 90s they made it a rule that you had to wear a helmet in the in hockey. But there were guys who had been in the league before the 90s that were grandfathered in that were still riding around with no helmets on. So you look at that moment and you're like, hey, is this something that needs to be phased out of the sport? But here, the positive aspects of fighting, Tony. There's two in this specific instance. Number one, a fight in the NHL is similar to a coach in basketball and college basketball getting an intentional technical. You're firing up your team despite the consequences. Now, in this case, Savetskin, Savetsnikov, Savetsnikov, right? I think he's a player, 19-year-old player. Look, the, the, the Carolina Hurricanes get fired up after this. Sadly, he has not the fuck out in the process, but boy, they come yeah. back and they win two games right there. So intentional technical is my argument there, is that you're getting your team fi- fired up. Sadly, Shvetsnikov got knocked the fuck out, which kind of, you know, waters that point down a bit. Yeah, and that's another thing, man. If you're fighting in boxing or in MMA, they have weight classes. So that way oh, it can be no, a fair no, no, no. Here, I got my counter-argument for this. 
The counter argument for this is Svechnikov is a Russian player. We're talking so, about help me help me out the uh, the guy that knocked him out uh, and because Ovechkin right is Ovechkin the greatest hockey player and he's the best hockey he's the best player of our gener of our generation ultimately somebody who likes hockey who watched the Mark Messier who knows uh, uh, kind of the the shadow cast by Wayne Gretzky but understands. The Mario Lemieux or the Yama Yager is Ovechkin is an under uh, underrated dominant player of his sport. So my yeah. next argument is this: is that this is the equivalent. If you're Svechnikov, Ovechkin is your idol. If I'm gonna get knocked the fuck out, I want to get knocked the fuck out by Cam Newton or Luke Keekley. Catch me in the hospital in a full body cast with two thumbs up saying I tried my best. Luke Keekley broke my body. Cam Newton yeah. threw a football through my heart. This is why this fight is okay, Cody. If you want to hype someone up, score a goal. <laughs> he did. He had two in a row in the game before. It took him getting knocked the hell out for them to win a Tom, game. Did you enjoy watching high school football? Yeah, I mean, I guess. I skipped uh, high yes, school I, personally, so I can't okay. argue on that on a personal note. But you enjoy seeing people of the highest skill set go at it and, and compete, right? That's why you prefer NFL football, right? Okay, okay I don't want to see a bunch of Sloppy amateurs out there throwing punches, and it's doing not a damn thing to help their team win. It, they're not doing anything, man. It's it, it's there's no technique to it. it. They're on ice, so it's not realistic anyway, man. Listen, you might be a staunch defender of it. I, I just think that it's the dumbest. Thing Last in the reason world. they fight in the NHL that's different from other sports is they got that stick and it's a weapon. And boy, do you torment people all throughout the game with that stick. So that that's what I'm saying is this is that mugs get a little salty throughout the game. All right, but I understand this. All right, my ice up pick this week goes to Freddie Mitchell. I'm pretty sure I've iced him up somewhere somewhere else on this podcast. Freddie Mitchell's a first-round draft pick by the Philadelphia Eagles. And this week, Lane Johnson, who is, I believe you said, the right tackle of the Eagles, correct? Yeah. Right now, yeah. who's protecting uh, Carson Wentz, came out in defense of Carson Wentz, and um, kind of was, well, actually kind of, was very critical of Donovan McNabb. He said, and I wonder... And you wonder why nobody respects you when you come back. Because Donovan McNabb is making some statement about if Carson Wentz can't carry them past the second round of the playoffs in, a, in the next two years, the, the Eagles need to be considering moving on because he's demonstrated, too, that he's not the most durable. Now, I, I'm, I'm okay with Lane Johnson coming out and defending his guy. I'm okay with people not being high on Donovan McNabb, even though I think um, he was a fantastic pro. I think it's hard to hate on him. Personally, I thought his, his, his play spoke for a lot of him. 
but there are a lot of stories surrounding his personality and, and kind of things like this. But when Freddie Mitchell comes in there and goes, oh, shit, and puts the popcorn emojis out and says, that guy screwed my whole NFL career. Love that people are seeing that real now. Sorry, Freddie Mitchell. It wasn't Donovan McNabb that screwed your career. You screwed your career. My friends, you stunk the whole time. You were an, a, a pro. You had a okay rookie year, but there were all these other players that got drafted around you that have, went on to the Pro Bowl. You stunk. Don't blame it on Donovan McNabb because then I will defer to Bill Belichick who just said something to the effect of after the Super Bowl where Freddie Mitchell, where they lost, I think, 23-20 to 20 or 26-23, the Philadelphia Eagles lose to the New England Patriots, I believe, in the Super Bowl. And uh, Freddie Mitchell goes one catch for 11 yards. Afterwards, uh, after he was telling, there was a sort of disrespect Freddie Mitchell showed to Belichick's defense and the secondary. Afterwards, Belichick said, all that guy does is talk. We were frankly happy to see him on the field because he stinks. You can put that on paper, he said. I'm telling you, Freddie Mitchell, you stunk. You need the ice. Donovan McNabb may be out of line on his comments, but that ain't got nothing to do with you. So, Freddie Mitchell, ice up. Eyes up, son. All right, so you're listening to the C3 Panthers podcast. We're wrapping it up for the night. We've had a fantastic show. The chat room has been uh, crazy on fire. 50 people all in the chat all night long. Fantastic. We continue. If you haven't, smash that thumbs up. Go ahead and do it before you depart. If you're listening on iTunes, Stitcher, TuneIn Radio, thank you. Uh, for your support, subscribe, review, whatever you got to do. Just tell, actually, what we want more than anything, tell one person about the show that doesn't know about it. I think they will enjoy talking about Panther football to the level we do. Cody, the draft show is Thursday night. Tell them where they need to DM you, tweet you. We got to get this lineup set. Yeah, man, uh, at C-O-D-Y-L-A-C on Twitter. Guys, I'll say it again. If you want to come on the show, message me in my DMs on Twitter. We will make it happen. We want you all to come and chill with us. It's going to be a very laid-back environment. We're all going to be talking, giving our opinions and whatnot. And we're just going to be chilling, man, watching the draft, talking about all the things going on. It's going to be so much fun, dude. We do it every year. This will be my one-year anniversary. So message me on Twitter, at C-O-D-Y-L-A-C. Is a brand new and the last mock draft before the draft uh, this Thursday night on drafttech.com. Uh, it just came out today, as a matter of fact. So check that out. And that's it for me, man. I'm going to shut up. All right. Tony Dunn at cat underscore chronicles Thursday night. We'll be here. I think we're going to kick off festivities, 730, 745, right before the draft. I believe it usually starts at 8. So we'll go on. We'll be here. Just live reacting. We want your perspective. Just come and hang out. Man, the draft is one of those things. It would be nerdy and overly ridiculous for you to have a real party where you have people over and you put out the hors d'oeuvres and all of this. Now, maybe there's some people that are doing that. I know a lot of people going to Panther Stadium. That's cool. But if you're just chilling at home, you know what you want to do. You want to pull up the YouTube and hang out with the C3 Panthers podcast. We'll see you Thursday night.
right? And no matter what, keep pounding. Keep pounding, baby. For the ones who work hard to ensure their crew can always go the extra mile, and the ones who get in early so everyone can go home on time, there's Granger, offering professional-grade supplies backed by product experts so you can quickly and easily find what you need. Plus, you can count on access to a committed team ready to go the extra mile for you. Call, clickgranger.com or just stop by. Granger for the ones who get it done.